Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and today I am joined by Matthew Ayers, the CEO for Dream Centers here in Colorado Springs. How are you doing today, Matthew? Great. So good to be here, Scott. Good. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, before we get started, I want to add that if listeners are interested in more stories about people doing good in and around El Paso County or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Let's get into things, Matthew. uh, I was wondering if you could start by uh, giving a bit of background about yourself and how you came to be associated with Dream Centers. I was really interested uh, for a long time in seeing, discovering the gaps in care in a community. I remember being inspired as a young kid to do that in our own from my grandpa. And so once I got involved in Air Force work, I just thought, oh, I'll do some of that. Um, you know, I can always volunteer at a nonprofit, but I still had a vision to really be a part of helping one get off the ground. And uh, I just thought it would be just many more years down the road. But when I got out of the Air Force a little bit early, uh, the opportunity just came up to, to really engage. And even traveling a little bit around the world with the military, uh, I always wanted to come back. I really fell in love with Colorado Springs as mm-hmm. a community in the nineties yeah. and just you know, saw myself coming back here someday. So working in the air force, I'm sure you're very familiar with helping get people off the ground. Uh, how did that experience help you with what you're doing now? Yeah. My, uh, training was in program management and leading teams to modernize uh, different systems in the Air Force. So uh, getting to work with a wide variety of people that were always much smarter than I was, uh, it just was very inspiring to me. Um, I loved the process of team building. Uh, and then, of course, just the practical side of program management was very helpful in uh, getting a project off the ground. And so can you give me a bit of background about Dream Centers itself and what the mission of the organization is? Yeah, yeah. we started in 2011 after a period of about six months doing research to find some gaps in care in the community. And people from all over uh, the community really came to participate well in these listening meetings where we were learning from organizations like Pikes Peak United Way and Equality of Life Indicators and uh, lots of organizations. I mean, we talked to both hospital systems, a lot of the executives and um, people where you know you could find information about gaps in care. And so we had a pretty good list uh, heading into 2011 uh, that actually surprised me because we didn't start out with an agenda to start a program we were interested in. We really wanted to find what, what is something that the community needs. And so women's health Uh, was really high on the list. And most of the people that were coming to these listening meetings around the community were medical professionals. Oh, wow. So it was like a really great match right off the bat that we had this this big, the the combined needs of mental health support, professional counseling, and uh, specialized women's health. Very good. And so when starting an organization, it's got to be overwhelming probably to, to try and start an organization like this. How do you identify those right people to have in the room to help you kind of get things off on the right foot? And for us, we really didn't have any, any expertise in, in these areas. And so uh, we, that's what really we knew we needed to do from the get-go is just find who are some experts in these two areas 
of mental health, uh, mental health care, behavioral health care, and then the specialized women's health, specifically gynecology, because we're the only free gynecology clinic in the state. And people come from all over Colorado uh, to get supportive services at the women's clinic. And so uh, we grab people we knew. And that's what we reached into relationships um, from OBGYNs and professional health counselors, you know, licensed counselors. And right away with a, a great advisory council, they were able to give the guidance we needed. Very good. Uh, so approximately how many people are you guys serving right now and in what communities do you serve? So specifically at the women's clinic, we'll serve the whole state, although the vast majority of our patients are here in Colorado Springs and the majority of those uh, patients come from Southeast Colorado Springs. Uh, but we'll serve, we serve uninsured and underinsured patients and those needing not only the specialized women's health and behavioral health support, but we have a lot of wraparound supports like professional uh, medical massage therapy and chiropractic care. So those kinds of things that we know um, women who are experiencing chronic stress, a lot of work-related stress, um, oftentimes there's other situations around poverty that are they're just, they're just carrying a large load. Mm -hmm. And we have found um, from the first two years of operating the clinic and feedback from our patients that we added these specific supportive services that were most commonly requested. So that's where, on the, just on the women's clinic side. And then we have a second program where we serve uh, individual families that are experiencing homelessness. And that program is called Mary's Home. Uh, also uh, serving a lot of people from Southeast Colorado Springs, but really uh, from, from different places in our state as well. That's really good. And so as an organization that has a statewide reach, really. Uh, can you talk about how important it is for Dream Centers to be viewed as an organization that people can turn to in their time of need? Yeah, well, I think that's exactly what we tried to do at the beginning in listening to the community is let's find out what, uh, what these points of pain are for our city, uh, what, where some people are maybe falling through the cracks, and they've really tried to find the help and support they need, but um, it's just not quite there yet. And so we didn't want to duplicate any efforts. So I think, and I think we've been able to do that well. Um, the, the patients at the women's clinic um, continually give some positive feedback that it's, it's really been meeting a need that uh, they had that they weren't able to meet before. So, uh, and I think the same thing for Mary's Home. Um, it's, it's amazing, you know, there's a lot of uh, different nonprofits that we work with and partner with that are kind of along this continuum of care and the spectrum of care. Mm -hmm. So it may seem like a lot of nonprofits are doing uh, the same things. And they may be similar things, but they're probably just nuanced right. along that continuum. And I think we've been able to find a couple niches where there just weren't, there, there weren't um, uh, currently organizations serving, the, the going really deep and specialized in those particular areas. Yeah. And, you know, I think that nonprofit organizations specifically don't get a lot of the recognition and attention they deserve for all the work that they do. And if the organization itself doesn't, the staff of the organization certainly doesn't. So to maybe it would be great if you could express, you know, how you identify staff members that work well with the mission of the organization and just, you know, talk a little bit about the work that they do and how invaluable they are uh, to the mission of Dream Centers. Yeah. For uh, people who come to Dream Centers interested in working and just like a lot of our nonprofit partners, they already really understand the mission. 
And people aren't trying to um, become wealthy working with a nonprofit. So they really already kind of have a, a mindset and value system where they're willing to sacrifice, mm-hmm. um, you know, even more pay that they, where they could uh, have in another potential industry yeah. uh, because they know they're already fulfilled by this. And so I'm just, I mean, they're my heroes. I'm so proud of them. Uh, the staff I get to work with, they're all in. I think our problem, it's not hard to identify them or work with them. That's the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> the harder part is to to have good boundaries and have them go home on time. Right. And, right. We'll just, and, and that's just how they are. They're all in and they're yeah. amazing. No, that, that's incredible. Uh, switching gears a little bit. Uh, so after submitting your grant request to El Paso County, uh, Dream Centers was awarded $68,800 of ARPA funding. Uh, can you talk about what that money has gone to fund? Yeah, that, it's been amazing so far. We're really grateful for the support because um, as we've known, if we follow the news at all or we have any friends we speak with in town, we all, uh, whether it was COVID or uh, the pandemic or not, or whether mm-hmm. it was other factors, uh, we just experience stress in life. And there's, um, we know there's rising uh, mental health care needs and concerns that we, we all share. And so this specific grant was to provide some of that support for our mental behavioral health care services at both uh, programs of the Women's Clinic and Mary's Home. So more specifically, I mean, just this year alone, that funding has provided 1,177 appointments at the women's clinic. And that's wow. just the first half of the year. That's through June. Um, and we've ha- we have some great partners like uh, Behavioral Health Consultants, BHC, mm-hmm. and Walls Counseling, and, um, and that make this possible where we partner well and they really understand our mission and mm-hmm. are willing to support at a great level, what we do. So it, it multiplies what these funds can do to serve even more people. And I only mentioned the, you know, the women's clinic there too, but, and that's really helping on a daily basis, sometimes for some patients mm-hmm. that really need it. Most it's a weekly or biweekly okay. basis where we're getting to connect and provide what they need. And for some, it might be once a month for just six months, mm-hmm. but it's often life-saving it's crucial. It's absolutely necessary. And they wouldn't have access to it unless they had a free women's clinic yeah. um, that's state-of-the-art. That's not what you might think of as a, as a women's clinic. Or unless they had a, a really highly supportive program, a uh, very relational supportive program like Mary's Home, where um, we've built that trust with like Walls Counseling or BHC. And they feel the handoff. They feel the trust. And then it really helps that, that um, handoff where client may or may not um, have been able to make that connection before, but they're able to borrow trust because they trust us as we're walking through this journey with them. Mm-hmm. And so these funds um, for this kind of support are crucial, but it's also, it's not just that what, we, what we're probably more familiar with, um, the adult therapy and, and counseling protocols and, and different kind of evidence-based things that really help us. Right. But also for kids, one of the great things at Mary's Home, it's been able to provide several music therapy sessions oh, wow. with okay. therapists for the children there. Yeah. No, that's really cool. And so, yeah, as, as you're kind of stating, so Mary's Home, I want to talk about that a little bit more. Uh, this is a place where I, um, a family can come and live and receive support services how are you able to look at that and identify just exactly what these families need? I mean, I, I would imagine when they come here, there's probably 
uh, it could be a laundry list, right? How do you identify like what could help most and what could help them get back on their feet as soon as possible to, again, get them back out into the community? That's a great question. I think, um, Scott, I'll answer it in a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so one, just knowing the journey of what a family is going through when they experience homelessness, the vast majority are women, are female-headed families. Um, and they are on a kind of, when things spiral out of control, often it's domestic violence. There's other factors involved, and usually that's coupled with some poverty or some other extenuating circumstances in their life. But, but the most common factor in that is domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they may, there may have been stability at a time in a home, and then suddenly there's just not. Or there's instability, but um, when the kids are threatened. That's often the break point where yeah. mom says it's time to go. Mm-hmm. And, and, but if, they're not, if there's not been a career at that time, it's really tough to shift from that to how do you even find work when you're the full-time parent taking the kids out of that situation? Yeah. So what we've seen is that a family goes in this process from instability to total crisis um, in three years or less. And so if we can capture and just support and really get to hear the story and come alongside a family as a partner in that kind of immediate crisis up to three years, we find there's incredible potential to stabilize, to recover, just to have an incredible life of thriving as a family. Yeah. Um, but if we miss that window, it's really tough. So I just say knowing that, that primarily we're a partner we're there to support that family, um, that we aren't the experts, they're the experts, so we want to come alongside them and, and understand what they need. And, and then the other experts really in the process, led by Ellen Bassick and nearly 40 years of research now, there's a lot of specific research on family homelessness, and it's different how you address it compared to, say, chronic individual homelessness. So um, we look at this report uh, Bassick Center put out in 2015, and it's got eight specific areas, including permanent supportive housing mm-hmm. and a really good assessment for mom and child, a mental health assessment, how they're doing support for depression. So there's these things, there's eight kind of categories that, that we just implement because the experts have seen over 40 years that work really well. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there is a personal story or two that you can share to kind of help give people an idea of what this experience is like. Now, of course, don't have to go into specific details about individuals, but if there's just anything you can share, I think that would go a long way to help people understand the work. Yeah. 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 We, um, so what, there's a lot of great, there's so many great stories. Uh, and I think that really does help. So since coming to Mary's home, uh, one resident was not only able to uh, receive the regular therapy she really desired. Um, and she's told me that in some seasons there, it's been weekly, sometimes even twice a week, Mm -hmm. but I've also had the additional, um, support of being able to take classes on the side to, to complement and support the therapy in her journey. So one of the unique things about, Mary's home is we actually don't encourage a family to work the first year because of chronic stress and trauma. We want to support work around them with all the support systems they need. And then they're working harder than anyone we know to build capacity. Yeah. So they're doing things like this self-work, the healing work, working on a GED. If they're, when they're ready for it, career assessments, and then jumping into a technical degree or a two or four year degree for a career. And these are the things where, we're making them slow down and take the space and the time they need to build that capacity up so when they launch, they can launch very well and successfully and long-term. Yeah. 
no, that I, I'm, I'm trying to like put myself in the shoes, right? It's always hard for, I think it's hard for a lot of people to kind of get yourself really where a person is, but to imagine having the time and space to grow like that. I mean, once you, I feel like once you leave high school, that time is gone. You know, you're, you're out in the real world. And even for people who uh, maybe not necessarily come from privilege, but, uh, you know, have the ability to go to college or something like that, you really are thinking on your feet and you're trying to grow and you're just kind of out in the world. To have a place and an opportunity to go and almost breathe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably something that a lot of the people here have not had that opportunity to experience in a very long time, maybe ever in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what you're describing, this, the, it, it totally confirms this journey. We get to the privilege of walking on with this resident I'm talking about. And so she's, she's gone from that place of really intensive supportive care in the first few months to sort of like regular supportive care mm-hmm. the rest of the first year. And then in intensity just rose like crazy in her pace and commitment to education. So now she's almost through with a four-year degree. And she's going to be a professional counselor. And she's got this incredible vision for her and for her child and for their future. Mm-hmm. And it's blowing us away. But it started with twice a week, plus coaching from a family advocate, plus you know, therapeutic yoga and some other things that would really help um, stabilize and just give her the space she needed to rest. And then she can hit the ground running. And mm-hmm. we, we love that, um, that it, it really feels like a pretty special place where people can, it's like a healing place yeah. um, and a place where people can start to really dream about their biggest dreams. <laughs> what does seeing outcomes like that do for you specifically? Oh, yeah, it's really encouraging. I think um, in the early years, like we're 12 years old now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was... Uh, a lot more naive and made a ton of mistakes and probably was trying to run too hard and do too many things. Cause you just, you do, you get so energized by yeah. the mission and it feels, it's really rewarding and encouraging. And so I think I've um, like learned to pace myself, but still that same experience of seeing the reward of people really achieving their dreams mm-hmm. and settling and, and even for a family, just even if it's not a great fit for them and they decide to head out in 90 days, you know, and they just do this assessment period for three months, at least in those three months, they found incredible safety. Um, they found encouragement. They found healing and stability. And they kind of have enough time to stop and breathe to know um, what their path forward is going to be. And, and so that's, um, if we can eliminate needless suffering in somebody's life, yeah. that's, a, that's a big win for all of our team. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, so I wanted to go back to the organizations that you guys work with because I think this is a really important aspect of uh, a, a community in general, but the nonprofit community specifically. Uh, so how has working with other organizations here in El Paso County uh, benefited the programs that you guys are working on? Uh, it's incredible. Yeah, from nonprofit, government, for-profit, across the board. Mm-hmm. We, we were able to partner with a lot of organizations. Um, I mean, for example, we, we partnered early on with DHS at the county, knowing that um, there are already be some cases open with the families we want to serve, and they're already providing some level of case management. And from day one, they've been all in. And we, we, we couldn't do what we get to do 
and with that family uh, and supporting them with as many services as we could without DHS's support of that family too. Mm -hmm. So we see that. That's just one example of many. Um, you know, I mentioned Walls Counseling and um, Mayfield's been a big partner in that. Um, there's, there's just, there's so many. One of our, our referral partners are just as important to us because our first year really trying to get off the ground when you're all vision and not a lot of practical yeah. experience yet. <laughs> yeah. That's hard. And uh, so we did a lot of outreach and recruiting that first year. But um, after that, the partners in the community from emergency rooms, from the other safety net clinics to hospitals to police, uh, all our referral partners have been amazing because they're understanding that there's this need and they've already built some level of trust with the person they're interacting with. And they're, they're able to do that warm handoff. And so, for example, Tessa, we probably have more referrals from Tessa over the years than any other partner in town. And that's been wonderful because we can know uh, that they're helping to stabilize and make sure that a family's not under, you know, walk with them until they're not under threat and then also do a warm handoff. Yeah. So as someone who's been here since the beginning, clearly, uh, how do you build those relationships with those partners to where you can, you can be seen as a trusted partner yourself? I, I, I would imagine an organization like Tessa or even like DHS, you know, they vet very thoroughly the, peop the organizations that they work with, just as I'm sure you do at this point. But how do you become that organization that is trusted by others in the community? Yeah, I think, uh, honestly, early on, it was, a, we were, it was a lot of hope for us and somewhat of a guess. Because you can do your research well and listen well, but ultimately you don't know mm -hmm. if what you're going to provide is what clients need. But I think that's what it comes down to is um, we did find our niche and, um, and patients continue to be served well. And we love our patients and, and we hope that every single one of them, you know, gets to experience that, you know, genuine care for them as they walk in and out the doors. And, um, and I think that uh, that's where it ultimately comes down to because you can even have a great relationship with a partner at an organizational level. But ultimately they need to know as a partner that, we're taking care of our clients yeah. very well and that we're meeting that need. And so I think it does take, it took time to yeah. build that trust. And, you know, it took a few cycles of cohorts of families coming through Mary's home and, and figuring out like, where exactly are we serving? How are we like other organizations? How are we different? And, you know, even now there's this family solutions collaborative that I get to work with, with Catholic charities and partners in housing and family life services and, and there's some, some committees where we're doing committee work together with 30-plus organizations in the community. Yeah. And it's fantastic because these are some of the more complicated cases of, okay, these fam this family has a lot of different situations going on, and we actually have to get that input from a lot of different organizations to find out how best we can serve them. You've mentioned uh, the Women's Clinic and Mary's Home. Are there any other programs that Dream Centers offers that you feel would be important for listeners to know about? Right now, those are the two uh, programs we have actively serving the community, but we're in the middle of planning a third right now that will be an early care and education program. So some other great partners in town uh, that are other nonprofits have been uh, Early Connections Learning Centers, uh, CPCD, because these are the two organizations in town that offer Head Start and Early Head Start at a large scale throughout the community. And as we know from the pandemic, uh, child care industry in the middle of that really lost a lot of steam. Mm -hmm. And a lot of child care professionals have gone 
on to work in the other industries. <laughs> uh, it's tough for Mary's home yeah. because uh, Head Start and Early Head Start are serving a lot of the, the families there. And, and when they're strained on staff and they're doing everything they can to serve these families, that's tough for our community. And so we want to be able to do everything we can to support them, but also learn from them because we need to learn, launch our own yeah. early care program now. Uh, that not just serves Mary's home, but we really want to create a place that can serve the entire community for those kids that somehow, for whatever reason, and a lot of times it's because there's just too many complicating factors or stressful factors in their lives are falling through the cracks and they may not be the best fit for those programs. So we want to partner well, continue to partner well, learn from these programs so that we're communicating well and then help catch and be really a safety net for these kids so that they can grow up and thrive and catch them, you know, go upstream and catch them yeah. instead of waiting <laughs> yeah. to, to have to add a additional layers of support years down the road. Yeah. Uh, so for those who may be seeking services, uh, how can they go about obtaining those services from Dream Centers? It's, we try to make it super easy. So for, for either one, Mar- Women's Clinic and Mary's Home, you can just get on our website, dreamcenters.com. Um, and, and if you prefer to pick up the phone, just call the Women's Clinic to schedule an appointment, uh, 719-388-1594. Um, but yeah, for Mary's Home, they can get the application online. And, and honestly, if you just want to do it relationally too, stop by and... Um, uh, and we'll be able to get you an application and meet you and talk to you. And we love that too. And you say stop by, where are you guys physically located? So the women's clinic is in the center of the city geographically. Uh, it's on Montebello Drive. So there's a post office, right? A block north of okay. Austin Bluffs and Academy. Okay. We share a parking lot with that post office. So we're right in the corner. And uh, Mary's home is five miles south, if you just head south and take a ride on Airport Road. And we're a few blocks down Airport Road off of Academy. Very good. And then for people who want to get involved, they listen to this, they think, wow, this is a really great mission. I want to be a part of it. Uh, But they may not know where to start. Where can they go to ask how can I help and how how can they best help? That's great. We encourage everyone to just start with the tour. So you can also go to the website, dreamcenters.com. And click on tour, and we have a schedule of a few tours every month. So we'd love that. Um, reach out to us if you want on email. If the tour schedule's not working out for you, and we'll just figure out a way to make it work that that works with your schedule. And we'd love we. That's always helpful because these programs are very comprehensive. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different supportive services offered. I mentioned a few uh, the things that we do in each program, but there's a lot more. So if somebody gets a chance to walk through and see it, they can maybe even imagine how they how they could fit into the services that we provide. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great idea. Uh, So we're about to close out here, but I just want to end with if there's anything else that you want to add, maybe we haven't talked about, you think would be important for listeners to know about. I think that there are so many times, uh, you know, you get, you get frustrated or overwhelmed. I've been in this place of being overwhelmed with needs in a community and needs. Sometimes when you start to face them, or you have a family member that's experiencing a, a, a huge need that might be a crisis moment for you. It can be overwhelming to dive into that need in the city. And I would just say that, um, that we, we have experienced those times of overwhelm, but, we, but more than that, most of the time, we've experienced this incredible uh, joy in serving. And it's really changed my life and put a lot of things into perspective. And uh, so I really want to just invite everyone to, um, I think we've, 
we can be an example and also just a, a safe and fun place, an exciting place for somebody to come and experience. If you're experiencing that overwhelm for yourself, for your friend, for a family member, whoever it might be to just come check it out. And, and there is a way to dive into that need and still not be overwhelmed by it, but to really experience how it can be so rewarding to just touch people's lives, l- eliminate a little suffering or bring a little joy or stability to their life. So yeah, I just really want to invite people into that. Yeah, no, that, that's great. Uh, thank you, Matthew. And I appreciate you taking the time today and for all the work that you guys do here at Dream Center. So thanks for having me. Our pleasure. If you're li- interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, be sure to look for us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.